0: All right, welcome to the Me Duele Podcast, episode 77. I'm Stuart Anderson. Just a short introduction before we hear from Josh Bradley. Grateful for Josh, thankful that he would be on and share his story. We talk about it just uh, a little at the end of the podcast, how fun it is to hear everyone's story, meet everybody a little bit better and dig into their background, what they do. Uh, There's been a lot of fun talk about uh, just meeting guys through the podcast, which is... um, what we hoped to accomplish, to get to know each other a little better and and know our stories. So super grateful for Josh for sharing uh, a little bit about himself, um, what he loves about cycling, obviously what he does for a job, his family, and uh, how his story kind of unfolds. So thankful for his time, thankful for Corby who joined me here, and not only thankful for that, but uh, grateful for Corby uh, for stepping up with his business, Cycling Upgrades, to be a huge sponsor of the team this year. Uh, thankful for him and everything he's doing, including <laughs> you can place all the blame on him for this week's uh, distance challenge on Zwift. It's bad. It's getting weird, uh, but but also very fun to see uh, what some prizes have done to uh, uh, encourage and motivate guys here on this long winter. So big thanks to Corby. Uh, we have a few announcements inside the podcast you can listen to about camp, Kit pickup March 16th at 6.37, up at Hangar 15, that's 7 o'clock, not 6.30, and uh, I would encourage you, if you cannot pick up your gear, to please ask a friend to go and get it for you. Um, Difficult to ship all of the kits to everyone who cannot make it, it just works a lot better for us and our team, especially the budget, uh, to be able to have a friend pick up your stuff and deliver it to you, so... I'd appreciate that. We'd appreciate that if you if you arrange that with your teammates. Uh, big love to everybody. Thankful for this squad. Thankful for 77 episodes of this podcast and look forward to some really fun episodes coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So enjoy, Josh, and thanks for tuning in. Bye. All right. Welcome to the podcast uh, or YouTube video. I'm finding out a lot of people watch on YouTube um, because I don't upload to any Android device. Sorry about that faithful listeners that's my fault is that a thing josh
1: uh is, is what a thing sorry like
0: like not being able to listen on I'm, i only upload to itunes so i have
1: uh, you can actually oh. click on the link and it will take you to apple's i, I think you can do it i think you can click okay. on the link but uh it's not native that's for sure Whoops. plus it's nice to see people's faces
0: i agree and look at talking. uh our two lovely guests today are just dolled out in gear oh my gosh yeah and josh is even wearing a t-shirt underneath the sweatshirt yeah it's red it's, dude it that is. was that white sweatshirt. <laughs> 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 that white sweatshirt looks good that was mine like uh i'm Stuart. that's josh bradley and look at you Corby. what were you doing today How, what happened today will you tell us what's happening <laughs> what did you put what have you put us through
2: I don't know what I have done. (laughs) I'm regretting it. So uh, we're doing a distance challenge challenge this week for the Mm -hmm. Midwele crew. So Mm -hmm. I threw out some prizes for the top three farthest distances this week. And everyone is showing up for the competition. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we are, what, three days into it. Number one position has like... Three hundred and fifty miles. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The
2: two is at three hundred, and the rest of us are quite a ways behind. But
0: I felt like one. you made up some good ground today, though. Like you're in, you're in the hunt. I would say.
2: Yeah. Well, I can't win my own competition for one. So
0: I just feel like number one position went too much too soon. I think that's going to come back to bite. There,
2: there's a lot of week left too. There's. there's always still Sunday too to sneak something in there. So. But, yeah, I mean, I think most of us are at least eight hours into the <laughs> week, and it's only Wednesday. So, And this is all trainer miles. Keep that in mind as well. So,
0: And what did you suggest this morning for the summer uh, a distance challenge, but trainer miles only count for 50%? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. So that's it was like in 2017, one of the local shops down here threw out a similar challenge like this in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I participated in it. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, So something like this has been in the back of my mind. Fun. To throw out to to the dueles. And with winter running so long, I was like, okay, I had, I had a big week last week from a vert perspective.
0: Mm. Yeah, kind
2: of. All those miles flat. Like, how far would I have gone was what I was thinking initially. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, hey, we should just. Do the distance challenge. Let's see what we can do. I think nice. winter I think winter's is going to be over six hundred miles for the week.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Look at Josh.
1: That's a hundred miles a day. I'm I'm dying after two days.
0: Same. Two more freaking so. cream on my butt. There's no way I'm making that. So, hey, um, a couple other things. Kit pickup March sixteenth. That's coming up. We're going to be at Hangar fifteen. I have the kits. They have, they do have Corby's logo on the back. It looks very good. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna start. I think seven, yeah, seven p.m. Hangar fifteen on Wasatch. Very fun. I got, I have everything ready. Um, team camp. Are you, are you both planning on attending?
2: I would love to. This year is not in the cards for me. That's which, true. Uh, we'll have a brand new baby. So That's true.
0: And we learned some, you know, we learned some sensitive information about Corby's baby this morning. Do you mind sharing?
2: Yeah, yeah. We've known um, for a while now with this pregnancy that our baby has some complications. So he has some heart complications that will have to be addressed with surgery in the first couple weeks. So we'll be up at Primary Children's for, you know, anywhere from four weeks to potentially eight weeks or something. So we've got. A long April and a long May potentially in front of us, but we've got a good support network. Nice. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be fine. But A lot of eager helpers this
0: morning on the team ride. A lot oh, of people. Sure. I felt yeah. a ton of
2: support. And uh, Primaries is right up there close to where a lot of you guys live. So, you know, potentially I'll have to have my bike in my car with me and <laughs> uh, sneak away for some. Immigration rides or something. I'm glad
0: you're already thinking that through. Great. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> hey, Um. very good. Okay, so yeah, Team Camp, 13th through the 16th. We will miss you, Corby, but we will do many, many honorable rides in your name. Very Are good.
2: you going, Josh? Yeah,
0: Josh. Uh,
1: yeah, I plan on hopefully, I haven't talked to Eric yet, but hopefully riding down with him. and I think we've already arranged housing, so. Oh,
0: nice. nice. Very good. So your story, I believe the two of you, it really started together. You were like a package deal when I met you both. Um, you both arrived. We, we met on Zwift, which is kind of like we talked a couple podcasts ago how cool I think Zwift is for this reasons. Like at first I really fought against it. Like, dude, this can't be half my year. Right. This, this is dumb. And then now I'm like, this is half of what we do. Like it is fun. It is, it is a cool thing. And we would have never known each other, the three of us, had we not had it. Um, but you you guys arrived together and then my first <laughs> this is so ridiculous. The first time I ever saw you, Josh, in person, was climbing that ridiculous hill on Veil Loop at team camp. Oh. And you and Corby rode by me and I'm like, the freak is that? Who are these guys? Or and the you wall. just do you remember yeah, the wall. Uh, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, on our I on our, I, I swear we were on our way to Jim. Um, I was yeah, gonna say we Jim were. Dutton, yeah. <laughs> not Jim Dutton. What isn't that where we were going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What do you guys remember for? How did this start? Do you guys remember?
2: Yeah, um, it was through Jason Lane.
0: Okay, that, that you were both invited.
2: Uh, yeah, that we first started riding with the team. Okay, he was like, "Hey, you guys should join us on Zwift." We've got this fun group, and at the time, I think Josh and I both were sort of in the like anti Swift camp. I remember we had tried some different platforms like Ruby, mm. uh, RGT, and some of those things to you know make it more bearable. And we just hadn't found anything that was fun. And I want to say it was around November, and we joined a co- like a midwale ride. I think we were both pretty hooked from the beginning we're like yeah. oh man this is a smash fest <laughs> that's generally how josh and i like to ride so it, <laughs> it just felt like home
0: yeah well if you don't know josh this podcast uh all about him grateful that you'd be on josh thank you uh i um have a short introduction to you but we have a lot of great you've put a lot of great notes and time into our document which is going to be fun to work through um josh's wife short uh, short introduction here grew up in utah Graduated from BYU. That's why he's so against wearing all this red. Sorry, Josh. It's hard. Uh, Master's of Electrical Engineering. Huh. How about that? How'd you choose that, Josh?
1: Uh, well, I always liked math. And okay. At, at one point, I had some dumb idea that accounting would be cool until I took an accounting class. <laughs> and then uh, I went on a mission, came back, and my brother was like, ah, oh, you're, no, you need to do engineering or something. So I started mechanical and. I was in a mechanical engineering class, and they were talking about stresses and beams and things, and I was just like, you know, half asleep, drooling, and just like, I am not interested in this stuff at all. And then I took a physics class about electromagnetics, and I was like, oh, that's my thing. Yeah, so I switched majors to electrical engineering.
0: Cool. Very cool. It says here, uh, radar engineer, loves what he does, and also works hard. Very good. Served a mission to, how do I say it, Josh? Dajon? Dajon. Asian Mission, South Korea. Uh, And then you met your wife. How do I say your wife's name? Unmi. Unmi, Uh, While attending BYU. Very good. Three boys. They love biking and sports. Loves to watch or go to Utah. BYU, sorry. BYU football and basketball games with his family. Dude, spicy food. And is happy that his wife is a great cook. I love that part that she wrote that. (laughs) Or did you write it? (laughs) She wrote that. Nice. Very cool. Dude, well, you've got some really cool here, uh, really fun history. Do you want to just kind of work through it? Tell us about your childhood family, where you grew up, sports and whatnot? Yeah. Okay, let's do um,
1: it. For sure. So, um, I'm a Salt Lake City native, uh, West Valley City. We've joked a time or two on Zwift about how I come from the worst possible place in Salt Lake Valley, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I was almost in Taylorsville, just just this close, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, just me and my older brother. He's um, five years older than me. Um, I went to Granite High School.
0: Oh man, you rest you in peace, Granite. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I was gone. one of the.
1: I think it was the second to last graduating class um, to go through Granite. Yeah, uh, but that high school's just
0: gone, Corby. Doesn't even exist. No. they yeah, just knocked I don't know it
2: down. All of this Salt Lake City background stuff.
0: Sorry, Granite History. farmers. Okay
2: yeah
1: um i played uh, lots of sports uh all growing up and uh, in high school i played uh, football and soccer primarily uh, those are my two things didn't really have time for anything else because i was also playing in a band uh, at the same time um, i played the drums nice. i learned i started learning that when i was in sixth grade and it uh, took a few years of lessons and i played in know junior high bands high school bands whatever and then at some point in high school i started playing with a with a few dudes hmm. uh doing the rock and roll thing nice and uh yeah had had some fun with that um
2: by the way as well as i know josh i totally forgot about all this uh, musical stuff that he shared with us
0: dude this is like a huge part of josh's life yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah so i don't I mean, I'm always I'm always throwing out uh, song recommendations, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to impose my will on anybody, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I mean I highly think a lot of the music I listen to, and then think very low of everybody else's for some reason. <laughs> rap, I hate rap, I despise rap, and country. Those oh, two yeah. are like I, they're of the devil in my opinion. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, rock and roll, classic rock, that's where it's at. Um, I'm a big uh, Neil Pert fan, and anything with, you know, some technical drumming. Um, I actually got into drumming from my dad. He, was, uh, he played professionally for a while, gigging around, and I inherited his drums. And so Dang. I got a lot of, like, Santana, classic Santana, Deep Purple, uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Rush uh, influences there. And, uh, that's just morphed into, I don't know why I'm talking about music, but I, I love I, it. I love music and I like to share music, but yeah. some of my favorite bands, Coheathen Cambria, the Blue Stones, the Strokes, the Kills, Weezer, um, and another genre that most people would find very off-putting, which is a instrumental, uh, progressive rock so bands like polyphia where they'll just sit there and jam out and have no lyrics and people most people can't stand that and i just you love love that stuff
0: but i have to take your music recommendations more serious now that's what that's why this paragraph is important yes
1: um didn't mention it uh but yeah we went through multiple iterations of the band thing um and uh ended up playing with the same like lead singer uh guitarist and bassist for a while and we ended up playing again after we came back um from our missions in 2007 and at that point we 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 finally paid some money to get some better recordings of our stuff and put it to a, a music well we made a music video as well with a, a mission buddy who studied film so
0: is that the that, one you shared with us
1: yeah yeah mm, that, was that was that
2: which when I first pulled that up I thought like, oh this is gonna be funny. And same, then as same. I was like, hey, same. this is really this is good. good. Yeah, I agree. You're gonna I have appreciate to share it.
1: that with the team, Josh. Well it's I handed it out to Stu and uh, it's uh open link to anybody who has okay. it. So
0: I'll include the link with the show notes. In your discretion. Nice. Very cool. You All right, he
1: talked. Yeah, that we haven't gotten that far yet. And it's kind of Do died.
0: You- what about uh, okay, South Korea? I've never met anyone that went to Korea. Is this a that a, you got to tell a little bit about this? Uh, what it was like and where you went?
1: Oh, so I to start off, I absolutely loved Korea. Um, at the time, it was kind of split into four different missions. One is anyway, I went to the uh, south west portion. And, and Korea is kind of funny. I mean, it has the same kind of dynamics we do here in where we kind of, oh, you're, you're a southern bumpkin or whatever from uh, Alabama or whatever and <laughs> have your drawl and whatever. Well, they feel the same way in Korea about their southwest part of the country, which mm-hmm. I was serving in. So if you ever, and it's funny because actually my, my wife, um, she is from the southeast side, which is, their, they think, a lot of themselves and they they don't tend to think very much about the uh the bumpkins over there on hmm. the other side and their their slow speech and their drawl and and whatever else but uh crazy i loved it and uh served 2005 2007 uh there and that's where i learned to <clears throat> love korean food and i mean i like spicy food before but that really taught me how to just like i fell in love like hmm. To the point where nowadays I don't even like something to eat something if it's not spicy like give me a burger I smother it in pickled jalapenos you give me fries I don't go for fry sauce I go for chipotle fry sauce Mm -hmm. or some other variation and I'm picking up hot sauces wherever I go and um
2: the other day Josh was here at the shop waxing his chain and I was eating lunch and he comes (laughs) walking over to me with his. Like he goes out to his truck and comes back in with this bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> I forgot I brought hey. it with my lunch to eat. So. Hey, you should put this on your burrito. Uh,
0: came home from, came home from Korea, and uh, yeah, maybe you met your wife at BYU. Is that true?
1: Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I was an undergraduate student. Had some mutual friends, and uh, she was like, "Oh, hey, I there's this." there's this girl we know and she's korean you might be interested and i was like oh yeah that'd be cool because you know i would love to try and speak korean with people when i had the opportunity anyway uh i meet her and i think i asked her out on a date and then it was for the like the following friday or whatever and i was sitting over there at the time i was living basically by myself in an uh, apartment uh outside of byu in approved housing area and I was sitting there by myself, making my own food like a sucker, thinking, man, <laughs> that girl that I asked on a date, she's probably sitting in her house too, just making food by herself. And so I called, I texted her or called her up and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, uh, about to eat dinner. I was like, yeah, so am I, uh, but I don't have any. And <laughs> so she like invited me, I basically invited myself over. Oh my god! And. I ate at her house, I think, almost every day that week before we oh, even went man. on our first date. <laughs> and so when people ask, like, how we met or how we <laughs> fell in love, I'm always like, yeah, we fell, I fell in love with her at first bite. So
0: That's so good.
1: <laughs> she's a really good, really good cook, um, particularly Now, I, now we
0: know why she put that in the, in the opening paragraph. Very good. I've, had,
2: I've been lucky enough to have some of her cooking, too, and I can vouch it's, it's tasty.
0: That's fun, very cool. They
2: make it less spicy for me, though. All
0: right. How about uh, day in a life of Josh? Where do you work? What do you do? Um, I know you've got. Is you have two sons? Is that correct?
1: Uh yeah. Uh, okay. First one we had well, we were still undergraduates. Um, that was that was rough. But we made it through. Both of us got our master's degrees, and uh, I had a job lined up. And soon after graduating with our masters. Um, we had the twins, Twins. so okay. Riker and Preston, they're nine years old, Morgan, he's, uh, he's 12 and, uh, they're, they're a handful, but <laughs> we love them. So yeah. And I work at, uh, Artemis Inc, uh, a small company, uh, very small company with the main, uh, branch being out in New York on Long Island. Um, But we operate here um, in Spanish Fort at the airport uh, where we have our testbed aircraft and the radars that we make. Um, So they kind of manufacture them in New York and then they send them out here and we put them on our testbed aircraft, fly them. And uh, so, yeah, I do some flying in the airplane, testing radars, Uh, go on demos to demonstrate them to uh, customers, um, basically, yeah. But then I also do a lot of uh, programming and like software development, algorithm uh, design, uh, radar system design, uh, yeah, all of the above.
0: Dude, this paragraph, I, this paragraph yeah. I'm reading of what you do, I'm like, this is—you might as well have written this in Korean. <laughs> right? That's
1: what I yeah. Don't know why I went into so much detail. Dude,
0: I uh, love it. This uh, is crazy. I mean, it's only cool because as a kid, and you're like, well, what should I do for a job? Like, the thought of what you are doing for a job is mind-blowing.
2: I think we could at least read one or two of these sentences just to convey okay. the okay. complexity of what Josh does. Okay. I can't our even read them. Our company primarily yeah. makes synthetic aperture radars, SAR, but with my help have adapted our radars to ground-moving target indication, GMTI, direction-finding, and foliage penetration for detection of hidden objects under a thick tree cover.
0: So yeah. cool. This basically means I write a lot of code day in and day out on both high-level scientific Python and lower-level C++, as well as coming up with the manu- mathematical models for representing physical systems such that we can then solve the problems on a computer using paralyzable algorithms that can be... Impl- I'm done. Dude, this is wild. <laughs> I apologize. I love it, dude. I think it's so cool. I yeah. think it's rad. Good Good for you, Josh. Way to be smart. Um,
1: thanks. Very good. So, All right. Oh, so ha- mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no.
0: I-, you- I was just going to ask. So um, everybody kind of has this moment where they start, where they can say, okay, I'm going to get into whatever, endurance activities. Um, how'd that kind of start?
1: Um, well, I mean, I'd say it started – Alright, yeah, I know when it's, well, I've always been interested, I've always liked running and, and playing sports, and I mountain biked when I was younger, um, and I always found that I was pretty good at those things, um, but never did, like, the long distance, like, I never did cross country, even once, uh, when I was younger, I did, like, the, the mile was my longest event, um, but I came back from the mission, right, and I I needed a new bike because I only had hand-me-downs, and so I went and bought myself a Gary Fisher, um, and it got stolen at my first mm. apartment in Provo, and I was like, I was super bummed. Um, but I happened to get a little bit of payout from insurance for that, and I took that like $300 or whatever I got with the payout, and I went and bought my first road bike, which was a 83 Trek touring bike, steel frame, and... Um, with like, you know, the down tube variable shifters or suicide shifters as (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're sometimes referred to. And I started riding that. And I even went out on some, BYU has like uh, a chapter or uh, like a cycling club or whatever. It's not an official team or anything. Started riding with them. And I noticed that, you know, I I could keep up with these these guys. And uh, we went, I remember a squat peak or so when I was going up this thing, you know, trying to do the down tube shifters, and adjust to the, uh, you know, the varying gradients up that thing. And I was keeping up with everybody. And it's always a shock to everybody else when they look at you when you first show up on that, like, piece of crap bike. And they're mm. like, oh, who's who's this guy? He doesn't I even love that. look at his kit. I was wearing, like, a hand-me-down uh like bib shorts as well. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. my first shoes that I got. The guy also had these bib shorts. He's like, "Well, here, you're a, you're a poor college student. Why don't you take this too?" Get and they like boobs. they went up to like past my mid thigh. That's that's <laughs> how high they were. They were like short shorts. <laughs> and people must have just been like, "Who the crap is this? Is this dude?" But you know, it, it's fun to show up and and yeah, it is kick people's butt on a piece of crap bike. But dude. eventually. When I, when I did, so that got me started. Yeah. And I slowly upgraded bikes ever since. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. Corby was actually, he's been very instrumental in that. Uh, so my dad got me my first actual road bike, which was, a the same bike that, uh, basically like Lance, uh, was it Lance Armstrong road? One of those USPS treks Hmm. Corby will remember it and, uh, I rode that for quite a while and then decided to finally put on my big boy pants and buy a real bike <laughs> and Corby, Corby helped me find this, uh, Orbea Orca, uh, nice. on KSL. And I went up there and got it. It had DI two, uh, you know, 9,000 to race 9,000 and these deep section Reynolds wheels. And it was awesome. Except for that oh. it had a slipping, uh, seat, seat post, which was not awesome and drive me crazy. But, uh, Thankfully, Corby was starting in on – that was when he was starting into, like, the beginnings of what became Cycling Upgrades. Like, he was just doing it out of his garage, and he was like, listen, if you uh, trade me your frame, and I'll give you this other frame, which was a Hmm. Scott – help me out – Scott Foil. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so that started it, and I just, like, swapped all my components over uh, to this Scott and started riding that. And then it went from that to what I'm on now, which is the Pinarello uh, Dogma nice. S8.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Yes. That first Orbea deal, that was when I was just sort of getting into this buying upgrade or buying bikes and keeping some parts for myself and whatnot. And I I think I found that deal and was like, Josh, trust me, this is a killer deal. Like you hmm. can buy this. And even if you don't like the whole bike like you should just do it and keep some parts or whatever and i think it took about a week of convincing with with uh numbers and math and stuff like hey this is a good idea and uh he pulled the trigger and then did a couple frame swaps after that but yeah nice i had to i had to prove my
0: system to him first um josh has listed some really fun most memorable bike experiences memorable stories and obviously corby and josh i mean you guys are together most days wouldn't i say i mean like 90 percent of your rides are together yeah okay before we move to those stories i do want to hear um i think it'd be fun to hear from both of you josh what what kind of drew you in and then you corby what draws you into cycling why did you land on it Um, what, what is it about it that you love?
1: Um, well, for one, it's not on two feet. I mean, I, I like running, uh, but it's only, it's purely as a form of cross training. Um, and you know, if I could play football, you know, I probably would, but it's, you know, tackle football is really not an option anymore. Plus it very quickly deteriorates your body. Right. So, um, yeah. And I've always loved biking. I mean, my parents—they actually did race bikes when they were younger, and they were the only, some of the only people I knew that that did that. Like, I just, and they from an early age got us into mountain biking, and I've always loved it. And so, when I got that road bike, it was just like an instant. Yeah, I belong on one of these things. So.
0: Cool. How about you, Corby?
2: Yeah, I was actually thinking about this a little bit last night in our in our group messages where. Uh, we were talking about that article of some of these cyclists who've got on Zwift and then like Zwift enough that they just move indoors as their cycling platform, like total, right? Right. And I was thinking how I'm definitely not that person. Like I can handle it for six months through the winter, but last night I was just thinking about like, Riding a bike outdoors and how <laughs> I don't know it, it shouldn't be as fun and amazing as it is, but there's just nothing like the skinny tires, a nice pavement outdoors, pushing yourself uphill, flying down descents. Like I just love it. I,
1: I would of it. I would add on to this some of the other things I love about cycling, which is like I mean and i'm an engineer so i can't help myself but there's so much about it that can be like engineered right like you get you can change out bike components and do uh small upgrades to your bike and they can uh upgrade how fast you can ride on your bike or just like diving into the data as well like i geek out on data like nobody's business like jason lang does a pretty good job of it i hear but uh yeah. I, I could say i might i don't know i might rival him like i'll i'll stock people's numbers and
0: i'm gonna let you in as a coach on my training peaks i want somebody to dive in because i have no idea what i'm looking at
1: unfortunately i don't think i actually know that much about <laughs> what it's supposed to be like right that that would be
0: someone like like eric nice Hey, well, let's work through these. These are really fun. Um, Although you said it might not be the best to divulge all details. I'll leave that up to you. Do you want to share some of these most memorable bike experiences that you've had? Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, Most of them are – they're memorable because they're miserable. Um, (laughs) But we won't start with those. We'll start with a positive, an upbeat one. Um, So I think actually one of my my most memorable experiences with Corby – and brendan gaskins uh, who rides with us on 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 the zwift
2: in the morning mm-hmm. and stuff right um he, we he were lived up here last year by the way so he was riding in real life with us a lot Brendan. yeah
0: nice
1: so there's this so we were coming we, we were on a squat peak ride which we'll go and do in the mornings um wake up stupid early at like 4 a.m and get out and Go over there from our house, or Corby's shop in in Mapleton, and over there up Provo, Squaw Peak, and then back. Pretty simple. While we were coming back, um, so there's a segment that goes all the way along University Avenue that comes out of Provo Canyon, um, past BYU,
2: and
1: and all the way to Center Street in Provo. It's like five and a half miles long or so.
2: Tons of stoplights.
1: Yeah, there's like, I, I counted them on Google Earth and there's like 10 or 11, something like that. And it's almost, it, it's impossible to not hit at least one of them. Um, and we were coming out, there's always you know, those strong canyon winds in the morning and we were flying. And this normally happens and you, know, you feel good and you like to hit it until like that first light. You're almost guaranteed always to hit one of these first lights. And and by hit it I mean hit it red, um, so you have to stop. But we were hammering because the first one went green, and we were like, okay, feeling good, and we just kept hammering. And next one's green, and it just kept going. And we get um, th- the bottom line is we made it all the way to Center Street, this five-mile segment with eleven stoplights, nice. and didn't. It was an act of God. We didn't hit a single <laughs> one. That. And we demolished the prior, I think our average speed was 33.7 miles per hour, and we demolished the prior comm. Um, but there was, it was kind of funny cause we almost died. Um, almost died. Corby, yeah. I get, yeah, we, we were coming. There was this, there's this <laughs> left turn, like light that comes onto our road and this car that was coming out just like, I don't know what they were thinking they just swung across both God. lanes of traffic and onto the shoulder of the road. And I'm behind Corby at the time, cause he's pulling. And I'm like, okay, oh, Corby's, Corby's dead. He's I dead. I was
2: ready to like bury my nose into this car. I was oh so committed gosh. to this calm.
1: We, <laughs> <laughs> we, at that point, Brendan was the only smart one of us and he, uh, he hit his brakes and that was, that was it for him. He was, he never caught back on. And, uh, we continued just hammering. It was funny though because he his time, even though it was thirty seconds behind us, he he still came in the top three. So had we so played fun. it more safe, we still would have gotten the calm. But yeah, so that was number one. Like that was just nice. That was a riot. Um, let's see. What what did I Everstate. have? Harris? Oh yeah. Um, I yeah. I only bring this up because. Uh, I think Corby talked about it a bit on his, um, I was there for that. Uh, me, him and Jeff Montague, uh, were the only ones that finished that day. And, uh, Corby was lucky and he just, cause he got up earlier. I think he rode through the night. I can't remember.
2: I started at 11 PM.
1: 11 PM. Oh, yeah. So Corby. he, he got to end while it was still light outside. Yeah. Um, I did not start that early and I finished faster, but once that dark started to set in, it was just like darkness also just <laughs> it, like that's when everybody else that was still there just quit. They're like, I can't, I can't do it. And I don't know if it was a melatonin or like what it is, but those lights going out just like, were like, that, that was it. Motivation was gone. Yeah. And it was, was the hardest thing I... to get those last laps.
2: There was another guy there that literally was like two laps from finishing. And oh,
0: died. no way! Yeah, For
2: real. yeah.
1: He, he just couldn't do it. He was. I tried to convince him, and he was like, "I, I just, I mentally, I can't, I can't Didn't do it. it. I'll try on another day." Is what he said, <laughs> <laughs> which made no sense. But uh, yeah, and I was so out of it. Like I, got, I came back down, and Jeff Montague was the only one really still there with me, and he was like, "Are you sure you did enough, dude?" Like, I think you have one more. I was like, "Do I? I don't know." <laughs> and so I went up and did a whole nother one. Yeah, and I. Uh, yeah.
0: Just to be safe.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Oh my god!
2: Did it turn out that you needed it?
1: No, it was totally mm. one extra.
2: Brutal. Nice. That's
1: um, all right, but I, I think one of my favorite of these stories is. Uh, well, I don't know. There's two. So in. In Payson, I mean, we've all had those bonk rides, right, where we just like demolish ourselves, uh, needlessly. Um, Whether it's lack of preparation or just taking on too much too soon, or not really realizing how hard something was actually going to be. Well, there's this—that's happened to me on multiple occasions uh, when out towards the south Payson area, and. In Payson, there's this Beto's Burrito uh, shop, right? The the Beto's. And I I like to refer to it as, like, my my Beto's savior, that restaurant right there. That's because on multiple occasions, I've absolutely just completely died, bonked, hit the wall as hard as you could possibly hit. And all I could manage to do was get to that Beto's, (laughs) even though it's just, like, another five miles from my house and just sit down and, like, cry in a burrito. <laughs> so, but one, one in particular was when I went up, uh, it was not too long after breaking my collarbone. Uh, I was just getting back on. it had only been like a week or two, I feel. And I was like, okay, okay. Like I need some good long miles in my legs to build back up fitness. So I had this bright idea that I would go by myself, uh, and take on the Nebo loop. But not doing it the normal way up Payson, I would go down to Nephi. I figured would be easier. I don't know why. And then up the south summit of Nebo. And Corby can tell you that the south summit. There's something about that. But like there's the sun's always hitting it um, stronger mm-hmm. than the other side, and it's it's steeper. It's a little bit shorter, and it's just like I've never hit it and had good legs it feels. Well, this this was that day. So same type of thing. I don't think I prepared enough and even by Nephi just flat riding down to there I was already I oh like, feeling it and I was dead and I was like well okay uh, I'll get some food at this gas station and then I'll, I'll go on my way. So I get up there and I start going and I'm just like this is, this is bad. And <laughs> I got to a point where I just didn't even know how I was turning pedals. Like it was so slow and choppy and hot and I was like I I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Like I don't I don't know how I'm gonna make it. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone reception, I can't call anyone I'm by myself, I'm running out of water. There's nowhere until Payson Lakes, which is like <laughs> four of the roller coaster peaks away and I just kept I just kept pedaling and pedaling and somehow <laughs> like I made it to the top and took a picture and I looked at my Strava post for that afterwards. I was like, Hey, I actually looked like happy at the top. (laughs) And like, I don't, that's definitely not how I was feeling. Like I was half dead, but I get back on my bike. And uh, as like Clark mentioned, like it's, and in that last podcast, it's a lot of work getting out of Nebo. So like I had a thousand feet of climbing and I don't know how I made it back somehow. I got down to Payson, and I was I was dead, and I fell down off of my bike into the parking lot of this church um, on the grass, and oh, I was just gosh. I laid there for 30 minutes, <laughs> delusional, dizzy. I called a Are, few friends asking okay, if they could I'm come pretty,
2: get me. Pretty sure you called me on this one.
1: <laughs> no one could come and get me. And I was telling them, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll die if I try and ride my bike home. <laughs> so, but nothing. So I mustered up the strength to ride downhill like a half a mile to the Bados. Barely made it there. Got myself two big glasses of Dr. Pepper and a full carne asada burrito took me 30 minutes to eat that thing and then I like slowly made my way back at like 10 miles per hour to my house 5 miles away so
0: so good
1: never been so miserable and so close to just like total exhaustion on the bike
0: dude what about this last? this last sentence is so good turns out I have lots of stories like this of me being an absolute idiot <laughs> dude I love it that's yeah, so fun.
1: That that basically some sums things up there. Nice. But
0: Corby, any follow up questions for that experience?
1: Hey, I'm just glad I wasn't
2: there for that one. <laughs> uh
1: you wouldn't have wanted to be with me. It was it was bad. You you remember you remember what I was like after our experience trying to get that uh that ride with Eric where we were trying to beat like a hundred miles in Yeah. Four what was it, four hours or Yeah. Anyway, I bonked on that one, bonked really hard, and went back to Corby's shop and had some food. But like, it was that times like a hundred. Like, I was bad.
0: Mm. It was bad. brutal. All right. I know there's one more. You you decide if you want to tell that one. Uh, you've also got another one here. Uh, I did did, did
1: yeah. I? Yeah. What? How? Let's see. Let's it? see. Um, the broken collarbone is that one? Yeah, broken collarbones one. Oh, that was the broken. That was a, oh yeah any funny bike crashes or yeah so
2: i wasn't there for this one either by the way
1: yeah richard borgette was there for that if you want to hear about my bike crash um i learned a valuable lesson that day which i think is pertinent and valuable for everybody to learn and hopefully great a good way and not the bad way which is after a broken collarbone uh but i was on a i think it was a velo club ride uh with some nebo guys as well as uh richard borgette and it started in Provo and then came back over and you hit Hobble Creek up and down sort of thing. Uh, but in, in Provo, as we were making our way over to Springville, this, you know how sometimes these big groups like we try and be pretty respectful when we go down there for our team rides in uh, St. George, right, mm-hmm. and not be too unwieldy and all over the place. Well, this one was not that way. There were like four five people. Uh, Across, across, you know, taking up, like, the entire lane. And, like, cars just, like, being like, what in the world is this This thing I've come upon, these cyclists? And I was just, it was getting at me. I was getting irritated. I was like, why is everybody being like this? And so I was, like, making a point to try and follow the rules, stay no more than two, and be over by the shoulder as far as I could. And that it continued once we hit Hobble Creek which was my mistake. So Hobble Creek turns into a single lane or or Hmm. single lane each way. That's pretty narrow at points. Um, And the shoulder is terrible, basically deteriorating, sloughing off. Um, And I guess I, I, I forgot about that, didn't realize that. Anyway, it was busy, lots of cars coming and I was determined to be like, I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to prove the point that I'm going to get over as far as I can. So I was basically <laughs> hugging the line. We are riding two by two, and suddenly the line was gone. The road had sloughed over, like, so much that it had gone beyond the line, and there just wasn't any road there. And on the other side was, like, this 50-foot, like, embankment and a guardrail that was, like, four feet away like that's how much road had left away anyway i saw that and i was like all right well i'm either going down this embankment or i'm gonna try and pull my wheel up but you know how it is once your wheel is already on the other side of a little lip you're you're done so i just went down like a sack of potatoes and mm-hmm. smacked my collarbone on the ground and or however you break your collarbone in, in these things and The guy behind me, you know, crashed up and over the top of me. And yeah, it was, that was a miserable experience. And it also was very scary for my wife too, because like I was in so much pain, I couldn't really think straight. And a lady in the group with us, like grabbed her phone and called my wife from it. So my wife got this call from the, just like this stranger, this unknown person is like, "Uh, I'm here on the side of the road with your husband. And he just... Broke his collarbone. It's oh he's needing God. to go to the hospital, and my wife just like starts immediate like panic attack, right? Of course. And uh, thankfully, it was nice to have Richard there. So he's only like a half mile down from the canyon, and he rode back, got his van, came and got me, oh. and took me to the hospital where I met my wife. And you know, yeah, dude, but, a good dude. So the valuable lesson from all this, which I learned, which um, the the rule is in most places and it is like this in utah is if you need to stay you know close to the shoulder of the road as long as there is a shoulder of the road and it's safe to do so if it's unsafe to do so you are fully within the law to take over the lane and have that be your lane and there was no shoulder and we had all the right to take that full lane for ourselves for our safety and that's what we should have done and i shouldn't have been feeling this this like nervousness that i needed to get over and let people by. like that's not important what's important is your safety as a cyclist on the road in that situation and understand that if the shoulder is unsafe you should take the lane (laughs) um yeah but
0: nice I agree, 100%. Corby, uh, you weren't on the ride, but do you remember this experience?
2: I do. I think I also got a call (laughs) that day, and I'm just realizing I'm a bad friend. And (laughs) I wasn't able to go grab Josh and take him to the hospital. I think Richard Bourget ended up doing that. But I am still in, in me's good graces because Josh hasn't had any bad crashes or anything on a ride with me so Mm. i guess that's one pro
0: nice
1: yeah so it's nice corby is one of the uh the few people that my wife trusts me uh to go out with and ride with like if it's someone else like she'll be like who's who's this person i don't know this person but i'm like corby's there it's okay like we're going to be fine Which I don't know why that's a comforting thing that Corby will be there. (laughs) We
2: we do stupid stuff, but we always come home in one (laughs) piece.
0: Nice. I like that. I like your tagline. Very good. You know, Josh, we talked yesterday and this next little paragraph you wrote I think is really fun. Do you want to talk about that? Kind of your mantra?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, So this was related to crashing. I like to mountain bike. I, I loved Moab as a kid and uh, slick rock and I live for that stuff and, but I, you know, I crashed, crashed my fair amount and I, I learned over time that those times I crashed were usually when I was trying to ride my bike down something that I wouldn't have been able to ride my bike up, uh, say like, like steep ledges or just very complicated sort of uh, mountain bike trails, tracks, whatever. And I go down them and I crash. And so I learned, I was like, you know what? If I can't go up, I probably shouldn't go down. And I adopted that as sort of like my philosophy or my mantra that I would live by, my rule. And that's stuck with me. Um, you know, I remember being out on mountain bike rides with buddies and uh, not being able to get up something and they just watch me like try over and over and over. Eventually, they're just like, dude, you're never going to get it. We need to go. You're annoying. Let's go. (laughs) And I was like, ah, shoot. So I always tried to make it up things. But then, like, I've kept that till today. So even on a road bike, uh, it's the same. If I can't go up this hill, I shouldn't deserve, I don't deserve to go down it. Like, I should have to earn that downhill. Um, So Nebo or And it applies to you know how lots of people will go up, take their mountain bikes on the.
0: uh, Deer Valley.
1: What are they called? The lifts to the top of like uh, ski resorts. Yeah. I don't do that (laughs) because I've seen lots of people crash coming down those because they don't learn this respect for the bike. They think, ah, I don't have to do the hard part of getting up there, which teaches you a lot about the skills and what the mountains like, and then you get to the top, you jump on your bike, and you start going down, and there's this slick patch of uh gravel and you eat it and next thing you know you're on a life light or something down the mountain and uh you know so it's just kind of a thing that i live by and it's part of why i love uphill as much as i do
0: yeah you do freaking beast corby follow-up question there anything no, no. <laughs> very good okay man let's move uh Let's move in. I think it's fun to talk a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to training, uh, some of your advice. Um, I mean, how does that – how are you – what do you do when you're thinking about when I'm getting out, how hard you're riding, where you're going, um, anything that guides you there? How do you manage it all? How do you plan for it?
1: a lot of questions in
0: what you just asked me. <laughs> um how about this? I, I don't see you, so you don't race a lot and, no. and you said that. So uh, what is it all about? Like what are you training for? Why do you why do you work so hard? Uh
1: so yeah, basically I'm motivated a lot by this idea that I'm not getting any younger. Um yeah, and it's, it's kind of sad, like, all of us are in this state where, like, when we're in our 20s and we're at our prime to really physically, right, we're all busy. We're doing school. We're yeah. starting a family. We have toddlers running around. We can't be spending all our time riding a bike. And then once we're, like, in our late 30s and we're, you know, on the other side of that, that peak coming back down, we're like, oh, shoot. Now I have mm. all the time in the world, but my body's getting older and so it's like a, I feel like it's a race against the clock um, to see what my peak performance can hmm. be before, like, I start sliding down this inevitable slope, you know. So a lot of what motivates me is – and Squaw Peak is one of them. Um, I don't know if you've ever come down that no. way and written Squaw Peak. Um, it's, a, it's a good, like, kind of time trial hill. It's around 25 – 30 minutes depending on on fitness I'd say and it's just kind of like a, a good benchmark like how can you do it's you know 20 minutes kind of like an FTP effort and it's always it's like a yearly thing for me can I beat my previous years PR and some years I've really tried hard at it sometimes some years I've done like trainer road and and intervals and whatever else to get me there or a diet or whatever it is but yeah PRs on, I'm a Strava junkie, and that's my motivation, and trying to get whatever calm I can,
2: anywhere I can. By the way, doesn't it feel good to be a year older and get a PR? It's like, you look (laughs) back at what you did last year, and you're like, hey, like for me, I'm almost 40, okay, and I'm faster than I was last year, faster than the year prior. Yeah. I know that can't continue forever, but like Josh is saying.
1: I might mention that my one other motivation besides those things is to not have Corby beat me on hills.
0: <laughs> How's that working Maybe?
1: out? Well, it worked out good until last year, and that was <laughs> that was rather annoying. But
2: I, I think we all know Josh is very competitive. Yeah. So, yeah. In general, like Josh and I, When we ride outside, it's, like, impossible for us to go chill up the climb.
0: Yeah. Very good.
2: Even though, at the start, we're like, okay, we're just going to go easy, right? And then, by the end,
1: no. I I blame it on Corby. He might might not think so, but I swear, I swear to you, (laughs) we'll start, I say, Corby, we're going to go chill on this. And then, you know, we start fairly chill. I'm putting out sub-threshold, maybe, but Mm -hmm. then, like... I see him start like inching away and I'm like, what's, what's he doing? And I start like inching back. And then I think he pushes a little bit more. And then next yeah. thing you know, we're like both Dude,
0: I 400
1: love watts. We're in our VO2 max and just like killing ourselves up this hill. And we're a sprint effort at the top to get to the, That's the best. Come stupid on. roundabout first.
2: I, just, I know Josh's competitive drive. And so I always have to like push that button.
0: It's the best. That is yeah. so fun very good hey um I don't know how much time you guys have left, but there's one thing I want to make sure we talk about which is you said this to me yesterday um Josh which I really love what your mom said to you do you want to talk about that kind of like your philosophy on that she said I think it's good do we want to attribute your mom to this quote <laughs> sure okay good so let's do it.
1: Yeah, you edit these afterwards, don't you? Okay.
0: Yeah, I'll edit it out. Uh. I'll give it a little bleep if we need it.
1: <laughs> anyway, so it was kind of a life lesson and another yeah mantra I picked up for myself. And it, I remember when I was young, um, I like to complain about things. Uh, Corby might know that. You um, might know that. I think anybody who's met me is pretty keen that keenly aware that I like to complain. So I was sitting there whining about something to my mom about how I couldn't do this and this and this and that. And she was like, she listened. And then at the end, she was like, you know what, Josh, life's a bitch and then you die. (laughs) And I was like, okay, yeah, sounds uh, sounds good. (laughs) And uh, I've kind of taken that to heart as I got older um, as just kind of like this. life's too, life's too short, you know, Um, like, there's, in particular, I remember this one year cycling where I was just, like, I was struggling with some, like, pain in my sciatic or somewhere in, in, like, my butt, down my leg, and it hurt, and it was really bugging me, and I think it was more mental than anything else, but, like, I got to a point where I went to a doctor, and I, I let it kind of consume me, and I even took time off the bike, like, a month and a half, and came back, and all I had after that was a month and a half less fitness. Like, my fitness tanked, getting on the bike was hard afterwards, and my sciatica didn't feel any better, my butt didn't feel any better, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that was that was a ginormous waste of, of time and, and everything, and I just decided, you know, life, life's too short, life sucks, and then you're dead. So instead of <laughs> just, like, not doing anything and then dying, I need to just get out and get stuff done and do cool things and make make life worth living so that when I do die, I'm like, yeah, that I did I did stuff, I accomplished things. That's and cool. uh, yeah, that's one of the things I love ab- about cycling and that draws me to me duele as well is just this idea that you know, the, I, the, I suffer, like life isn't easy, cycling your bike. Riding your bike up a hill mm-hmm. is not easy, um, but it, it's it's worth it. And the other alternative is to just you know sit around doing nothing till you're dead.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, Corby. Any um, any questions for Josh before we wrap up?
2: I, I was going to ask him. We didn't get into the knitting. He had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in his ride up that one of his big hobbies that nobody probably knows is also that uh, he likes to knit. So I was just gonna ask him when the time comes that he has to put the bike away for whatever reason because he's old or whatever is it gonna be music or knitting first
1: <laughs> well I don't know I feel like I feel like knitting is the answer to be honest which is, is kind of <laughs> lame but uh, yeah drumming brings me happiness and that's about it uh, but when I knit things I can bring my wife and other people happiness. I've, uh, I knit her things every, every winter. Uh, basically once winter break comes, it's like, all right, time to bust out the needles and yarn. That's and funny. Um, I'll make her something. I made some stuff for uh, my, my kids and I made some stuff for her mom and her mom loved it. And I, I love that she has used like the crap out of what I sent her. Like it sounds mm-hmm. like she uses it all the time. And I'm like, score, like that's exactly what I wanted. And anyway. I I I like it because it's got that engineering. I've always liked creating things ever since I was young. Like I like just making, like I I like to paint things. I like to do projects. I like to do woodworking. Actually, you didn't ask me that, but woodworking is probably one of the first things I'll, (laughs) when I get, when I'm too old to ride my bike, I'll probably start woodworking more. Not like making
2: furniture things and stuff. I've, I've seen the knitting and I've seen the woodworking, and I can say he's very good at both of them.
0: Fun. but
2: but Josh, are you one of these guys? I've seen a few of them over the years that sit in church and knit. Are no, you one of those guys.
1: So that's one of the things I saw. We were at a junior jazz uh, practice for my oldest, and this lady like set up and not knitting, but something else. And I for, I watched how long she had to like set the thing up. And then by the time she set it up, I was like, you only have like 30 minutes to actually. Do- What's the point of like, <laughs> is the point to show people that you're doing it? Or yes. like, I don't understand the point of this.
0: Short uh, answer, yes.
1: <laughs> so most likely no. Uh, I have thought about taking stuff with me on the flights when I go on like business trips. But every time I think about that, I was like, no, I just, hmm. I can't, I can't do that. Plus it's the only thing I enjoy doing on flights is watching movies.
0: Not rocky though. Not
1: rocky. That's for sure.
2: Have you tried combining knitting with the trainer? I feel like,
1: Hmm. yeah, and get sweat all over the yarn. Yeah, I thought about that (laughs) once, but yeah, that's not gonna work. It's kind of like this morning. Spangler was telling me how he's like, dude, you need to just like take your, get a desk set up in front of your your bike and just like work from your bike. I was like, dude, I gotta write code. And like do like engineering how am i gonna like write code and focus while i'm pedaling a bike like that's not gonna happen
2: i can barely like watch youtube while i'm writing as crazy as that sounds like most of the time i just listen to music because i can hardly follow even
0: on the same episode
2: like a series or anything so i have found i can watch like gcn pretty well and uh to sort of have to pay attention to those ones while i'm cycling and that helps pass the time but yeah. if i'm
1: riding by myself i can do it like if i just want to sit down and ride zone two like yeah i can keep a consistent zone two and like zone out and watch a movie but if it's like staying with the pace bot and right. like no nah, i can't yeah
0: same yeah like this morning i even tried for a minute i was like all right i gotta zone out i'm gonna watch something that was like a minute. I'm like, I shut it off. I can't do that. Not gonna happen.
2: But uh, by the way, let me make a recommendation. If you guys don't have GCN Plus, I totally forgot that I had it for the last. I think I paid for a subscription like almost a year ago, and totally forgot about it. There's some really good content on GCN Plus.
0: Cycling. Yes. Yeah. Cycling
2: yeah. content. Yes,
0: yeah, way good. All right, Joshua. Any parting words?
1: No, I mean I, I appreciate you having me on here. I do. I do want to say that I, I I've gone back and I've watched some of the me Do Ele podcasts and I'm trying to get through them. And as I've watched them, I've appreciated being able to get to know people uh, further in a way that I didn't otherwise. know. like I love I love Clark. Um, even though like I I joke with him all the time. He knows <laughs> he knows I love him, but I didn't know all those things about him. Like I knew like surface stuff and like writing things and getting to have that deep dive and learning about people and their unique interests and what makes them tick is is fun. And so yeah, I I've repented of my ways.
0: (laughs) But didn't you say you won't listen to your own or was that Corby? (laughs) You won't listen to it?
1: (laughs) Corby said he won't listen to
2: mine,
0: yeah. (laughs) So dumb.
2: No, I totally agree, though. Like, I don't think there's been a single podcast where uh, at the end I have been like, wow, that is a really awesome person. Yeah. That, you know, I did not know all these details about. Now I know that much more about him. Um, So I, for one, love the podcast series and the time that you take, Stu, to make it happen for all of us. Um, Because I think it's, I mean, we're, what, 78 episodes deep? Yeah. And really helps us know each other that much better, especially where uh, some, some of us only really see each other on the Zwift rides. And so
0: That's right. you
2: know, we don't get to ride in real life and have those like five-minute, ten-minute conversations riding next to someone in real life. Yeah. Um, this is a really awesome uh, part of this team, I'd say.
0: Nice. Thanks for being on, fellas. Thanks for taking the time. I think it's worth it. I mean, the community is the coolest part of our group. I mean, that's what I found. So I agree. It's awesome to hear everybody's story and kind of what makes them tick. So uh, thanks, Josh. Appreciate your time. Corby, yeah. thank you.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Okay, dudes. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>